Hey, what's up everyone? Jason Vest, the After Ed Podcast, coming to you live with a cold, first cold of the season, so please forgive the voice. Um, actually might sound like more of a uh, an appealing podcast voice, but anyways, um, on the show today, I have Yusef Sarhan. He is a designer and founder of Zero Pattern. You're going to hear a lot about what it really means to provide value and really, more importantly, how you monetize that value. Uh, also talking about building trust in social media and how you go about doing that and really tapping into focusing on setting but then also reaching goals. Yusuf has some really, really insightful um, tips for doing that. And then we really get into the educational piece. Uh, if Yusuf had a magic wand, what would he change about K-12 education? Uh, Got to tune into this one. Going to be a great episode. Uh, without further ado, Yusuf Sarhan. Okay. All right. Um, everybody, we're in for a treat today um, on the show. I have Yusuf Sarhan. Uh, Yusuf, thank you for agreeing to be on the show, sir. Yeah. No, it's good to be here. Thanks for reaching out. Yeah, so um, you just brought that up, and this was not scripted, but um, I tell people all the time that, uh, you know, the best thing that you can do um, is to just reach out and put yourself out there and to try to make connections, and um, surprisingly, a lot of people are willing to help out, so uh, that was what I did with you, and, and again, just thank you for uh, agreeing to do this. Yeah, absolutely. That's actually a big part of my belief when it comes to... You know, I'm all about making money online. That's what I do. I, I help people make money online. I should qualify that. And that's a big part of my, my mantra is that the premise of all relationships, especially business re business relationships, is trust. And the only way that you can build trust online is if you actually go out of your way to reach out to people, interact, appear very personable, or like just be very personable. But online, it takes a little bit more effort, right? Like you've got to really... Craft your profile so that it truly reflects who you are. You're going to reach out to people. It takes more effort, whereas in person, it happens a little more organically. So, yeah, you're, you're right. If you didn't reach out to me, we wouldn't be on this call. So, kudos to you. It's exactly how it plays out. Yeah, so to that point, um, you, you alluded to some of the, the value that you provide to people. And you, you talk a lot about value yourself. So um, I hear this a lot because of, of kind of the, the angle that I'm approaching things in the direction that I want to go. But most of the people that listen to this are in the education field. So what exactly do you mean when you say um, you talk about value? And, you know, how do you provide that to people? So... My background is as a web designer, web developer, and I've been doing that for about 15 years. And I've seen the value that that's created in my life. Uh, it's provided me with a lot of opportunities. And my goal then going forward is to help other people unlock that value in their life by finding work, preferably online, because to me, there's a lot of value in working online and to help them through that process. So it's kind of almost like an ad hoc education that I'm trying to provide people with about how they can navigate the online space, make money from it by finding a real tangible, you know, skill that they can offer to individuals or companies 
so it, it's it's kind of like an online education, but it's very scrappy right now, and it's very actually uncertain what it means to, you know, navigate the online space. It's always evolving. We're always changing the norms. So that's the value add that I try to bring to the table as someone who's been doing it for fifteen years and who was always keeping up with the latest developments in you know networking online and finding work online and even the new sort of job opportunities that come available online. I'm always keeping up with that. And that's the value that I try to bring to the table. And the, uh, the other idea is that I'm interested in things that have longevity as well. Like value to me has to be, has to, it, goes hand, it goes hand in hand with longevity. Uh, it's not something that's like, you know, you're gonna make a quick buck here or it's gonna be like a flash in the pan or something. It has to be something long-term. So that's, that's what I focus on when I focus on value, long-term, um, new opportunities. That's actually a good way of putting it. Long-term, but new opportunities. That's my space. I love that. And you, you led me into a perfect segue. So I know that there is no, uh, you know, silver bullet. There's no, you know, magical tip, um, to monetize that value. Um, and I know a lot of what you do is trying to, to do just that. Um, but where does someone start to monetize on the value that they can provide? Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting question. Um, there's definitely no, you know, magic bullet or silver bullet. Um, it's not as, it's not as complicated. You know, my, my domain is online and that's where a lot of the mystery and kind of like, oh, maybe there's just a magical way of doing this comes to mind. And people, they think that making money online is something that, you know, whiz kids do, right? Or entrepreneurs do or people who are really mavericks do and you have to be sort of in that one percent of thinking to do it and that's that's really not the case right it's it's actually not much different than any other job or any other way to create value um and what i mean by that is it's all about relationships it's all comes back to that idea of relationships but online because relationships are built over like these very contrived interactions. Like you've got to go out of your way. You've got to really message someone and wait for a response. And if they don't reply to you, it kind of feels maybe like they're ignoring you. And maybe it's just they missed your message. Whereas in real life, you know, you just walk up to someone and you ask them a question and, and they'll either answer it or they won't. And you know where you stand. It's a lot more organic. That because of that sort of contrived, like needing to really put your, put your, um, put yourself out there, it, people can feel a little bit like as if there is some sort of magic bullet or mysterious way of succeeding online when really it's the exact same as succeeding offline. You just have to be a participant. And because it's online, because everything is a little bit more calculated, you know, and everything is a little bit more measured, everything is a button that you have to press as opposed to just chatting around a water cooler. Um, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to go out of your way. So I guess that's what it is. There's no magic bullet or like silver bullet or whatever expression you want to use. It's the exact same as offline value add, but you just have to be aware of that. Like you have to go out of your way. So it's, it's a good lesson in, in how to network. Actually, if you can network online, you should do pretty well offline too, because you're practicing so much online, like really practicing to connect with people. So offline should come more naturally to you. Yeah, I love that. I've never, um, I've never really put the two and two together, but I, I can vouch that uh, about the same time that I started 
um, seeing in increasing levels of success uh, off, uh, offline um, was the same time that I was putting myself out there online. So there's definitely um, a, a relationship there. Um, one of the things you recently um, were talking about on social media was building trust. And I think that in order to really, uh, you know, monetize and, and build these relationships and network, you do have to have um, that trust factor. So uh, my question to you is, how do you build trust on social media? Yeah, um, this is core. This is key. This is basically everything. This is the foundation of everything that we've just been talking about. Um, trust is essential in, in every aspect of life when you're dealing with other human beings, right? Whether it's a relationship, work, family, anything, you need to have trust in the other person and they need to have trust in you. And if there isn't that trust, then it's difficult to build value. On social media, however, in part because there are so many, you know, scams, there are so many people who are maybe betraying themselves to not be who they are. People have a, a, higher threshold when it comes to trusting people because you're unknown and you can craft whatever image you want and you could be a troll and you could be a bot and there's so many possibilities that people's threshold is a little higher than let's say if you're just walking down the street and you bump into someone and you say hi how are you you know they they'll give you a few minutes maybe of their time whereas online they're giving you a few seconds so you have a very short window online to build trust and because all of the discussion happens on social media, essentially, that's really where you're building trust because it's more of a, you know, a stream of your life as opposed to, you know, just a one-off thing that you need to be building trust so that then as people, you know, start to consume your content and follow you and keep tabs on what you're about, that picture forms in their mind that this person is actually who they say they are and can be trusted and their word can be taken for it. But even at that, even at that, it can be shattered instantly because unfortunately we do have a culture online of, you know, there's sort of a witch hunt mentality sometimes on social media and there's a little bit of an outrage culture there. So you, you sort of need to be doing as much as possible in order to build trust because at the slightest crack uh, online, the slightest crack in your armor, the slightest kink in your armor, and people will start to stop trusting you. And all that so that then when you do eventually need to connect with someone over a business decision or you need to network with someone because you want to pitch them your, your product or service or whatever it happens to be, that they can trust in that too, and then you can start making money. So uh, it's, it's incredibly important. Even small things like people don't realize the importance of having a clear approachable profile picture on social media or using your full name in your Twitter bio or, you know, your Instagram bio or, you know, tweeting in a way that is not looking like a bot. So constantly using hashtags and constantly using, you know, things to try and get yourself more engagement. Just being authentic is, is so important on social media because if that doesn't happen, then you're not going to develop a following and you're not going to be able to have the kind of business opportunities online that you're looking for. That's great advice. Um, I want to bring in a little bit of uh, an educational lean to it now. Of course, um, I teach uh, middle school students, so I got kids that are, uh, well, this, this year, they, you know, they'll be 11, 12, 13, 14, um, but most of the kids that I've taught 
um, have been eighth graders. So they're 13. When they finish up eighth grade, they're 14. And I hear all the time uh, their primary focus is likes, is followers. Um, should they be concerned with likes and followers? Um, and if so, why or why not? Yeah, I mean, like when I talk to my friends about what it must be like to be growing up now as, as a child in our social media age, we, we do find it difficult to wrap our head around the implications of having metrics such as likes and followers as variables that cannot affect your mood. Like We do think about what that must be like. Thankfully, even though we did have social networks and the internet when we were growing up, it wasn't so incessant and it wasn't so driven by vanity metrics like likes and followers. So I think we we bypassed the effects that that would create. I would say that there is a real possibility that for some kids, likes and followers could control their self-esteem and their sense of happiness. And that of course is not ideal at all. And it's quite unhealthy because you're putting your, your value too much in the hands of other people. But then moreover, what it can do, unfortunately, and we see this a lot is that you see younger kids and, and adults too, but it's more problematic, I think, with younger kids because they're more impressionable. You see them maybe behaving or acting in a way which is not in their best interests in order to, you know, beef up their likes or beef up their followers. And you wonder how that's going to influence the trajectory, you know, the direction of their life, you know, and their, their what are they going to be doing when they're 18 because they started doing this other stuff when they were 14. Um, so it's more about what they're doing to get the likes and followers than just the fact that they're trying to get likes and followers. Um, you know, we all like to get approval from our peers, but it's, am I doing something at this, at the, am I compromising something that is fundamentally important to my happiness just to get likes and followers? So I'd be less concerned about the likes and followers and more concerned about what you're doing or what someone is doing in order to get likes and followers. For example, if a kid is really good at drawing and, you know, they feel like if they were better and they were posting nicer pictures on Instagram, that they get more likes and followers. That's actually probably a good thing to encourage, you know, once you let the kid know that there's more important things than likes and followers, because you're helping to cultivate a talent in that child, right? Which is a very rewarding talent. But if it's something a little bit more you know, vacuous or something that may not be good for their self-esteem, like body image issues or something like that, like where they're, they're trying to come off as something they're not, um, just to get more likes and followers, you know, they're influenced by the Kardashians and things like that. Then maybe you wonder if that's an important metric to be improving. It's like anything right in, in business or anything, like what are the metrics that matter and why? And then you got to optimize for them. So that's, that's the long answer because it's a complicated topic you're dealing with childhood psychology there you know no it, it's a it's a very complicated topic and one that uh you you were talking about and a, a story popped in my mind a kid that i mentored this year um told me that one of the things that she wanted to do was start a photography business and i said that's awesome so i'm going to bring you into this event that we're doing i want you to take pictures um and you know do the whole thing start a website get a get a page up you know just focus on that and so she was she was all about it 
um, and then kind of fell off, got, got re-energized one day, and uh, I just saw her in class taking a bunch of pictures of herself, and I'm like, what, what are you doing? And she said, I'm building my photography business. I said, no, we're, we're, we're on a different level. That, that's not what I meant there. So um, it, 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 I think part of it is the age, but then another thing, uh, it's like, you know, we, we have to be, and not that we're experts, I would argue that teachers are, are far from that in this space, but we have to be very deliberate and intentional about um, learning best practices for social ourselves and then helping those kids figure out, you know, how they can self-promote uh, in a positive way as well. Yeah, I think that's, that's really the balance there. There's nothing wrong with wanting to get more likes and followers, especially if it's not really affecting your happiness one way or another. But um, it's important to understand and communicate to young people what they're actually doing in order to get likes and followers and what their fundamental craft or motive is there. Um, because it's all about trajectory. You don't want to set them down a road and it takes them 10 years and they're in their 20s before they realize, hey, I kind of, I was investing in stuff there that really wasn't in my interest. But kids are going to do that anyway, right? We all did that. Like, I remember spending like time wasted in my teenage years doing things that like in hindsight, why was I wasting my time with that thing? So there's a bit of learning that has to happen there. I guess it's where are the boundaries and how close to those boundaries can you get before you need to be sort of like course corrected? And that's probably the best way of looking at it. Yeah, I know what you mean. So another thing that you post is talking about setting and reaching goals. And this is something that really rings true in the education space. Uh, so, you know, there are smart goals. There are, you know, you talk about time frames and breaking things down. But, uh, you know, just kind of briefly, how should people go about really setting the right goals and then actually reaching them? Yeah, um, I think that we have a great ability as humans to set goals because by setting a goal, hey, I, I want to be in good shape, I want to lose weight, I want to make $50,000 this year, I want to quit my job. These things are affirmations in a way and they make you feel good. And as a result, there's sort of, <clears throat> excuse me, as a result, there's sort of a motivation to, to set goals, right? Because it feels good. But if we don't have an amazing plan to go with that amazing goal, then it can actually make us feel bad in the long term because we may fail to accomplish the goal. So when I talk about goals, I usually allow people to define and affirm their, their lar large goals. But what I try to get them to do is think about the goal that they can achieve today. What is the goal that you can actually accomplish today that will help you towards that bigger goal? Right? Or what is the task that you can set and accomplish today that will get you to that larger goal. And the reason why I focus on today is because if you don't get it done by the end of the day, then you're accountable. So it has to be something that you, that you can act on and then you can hold yourself accountable to. And if you didn't get it done, then you can ask yourself, well, why didn't I get it done? Was I being lazy or was it maybe too much and I couldn't get it done today? And if it was, could I have reduced it? And that gives you like an, a, da a daily accountability. So even if you fail or succeed on a daily basis, you can always course correct and improve the next day. And it becomes much easier then to ensure that you're having multiple days of success rather than multiple days of failure. Because even if you have one day of failure, the next day you just improve. So you're sort of reducing your commitment down to a day instead of a six-month goal. 
it's a day goal. So even if it doesn't work out, that's fine. It's not a big hit to your, your motivation because it was only one day and there's a hundred more of these before I'm expected to accomplish my goal. So you're giving yourself time to course correct and fix yourself there and you're not investing too much. So it's kind of a way of hedging your emotions rather than just saying, hey, I'm going to lose 50 pounds in a year and that's it. And then a year passes and you're still overweight. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a bit more like, hey, I'm going to lose 50 pounds in a year. So that means I need to lose about a pound a week. All right, to lose a pound a week, I probably need to eat 500 calories less a day. All right, so today I'm going to eat 500 calories less. And you just keep doing that every day. And then the odd day you're going to mess up. But it's actually a plan there that holds you accountable. So I focus more on the what can I do today and finish today. And if I can't do and finish it today, let me make it smaller so I can do and finish it today. And if at the end of the day I haven't done it, I have a little conversation with myself. Why didn't I do it? Okay, here's why I didn't do it. I was lazy or I was too busy or I was doing this, 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 that and the other, whatever. And then tomorrow you change your plan to suit it. So it's about daily account, daily action and daily accountability. That's fundamentally how I believe you accomplish your goals. I love that. And, you know, that's a great lesson for educators listening and, and students listening, because too often we're guilty of focusing on the, you know, end of a marking period exam or, you know, the the product being produced at the end of a unit and um, that that's too far in advance. Uh, so I love that you break it down in a much more manageable and, quite frankly, realistic um, goals. And then you, you're, you get the benefit of um, relatively instant gratification when you meet that goal. Yeah, and here's the other thing as well is the human brain is not very good at abstracting things, especially not out into the future. So we're not good at you know estimating things that are far away or things that are... Um, to be accomplished at a, in a, in a long-term capacity. I mean, a simple example is a common thing that happens is when someone's crossing the road, they miss, it, they miss or they underestimate the speed of a car coming towards them and they think they can cross the road and they get knocked down. We're not very good at judging things that are, there's a delta between where they are right now and where they will be, whether that's time or space. We're not good at that. We're, 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 we're only good at doing it within a very short time frame, like within our arm's reach, essentially, both mentally and physically. So you have to leverage that strength and not put too much belief in, in the, in the long-term weaknesses that we have, which is it's difficult for us to actually plan and estimate things that are very far away, um, both in time and space. So we need to focus on what we're good at, which is the more here and now, which is kind of where our, our evolution comes from because it's, it's ultimately, you know, how we perceive the world. We perceive the world from our perspective, the here and now. We don't perceive it from any other point in time. So we have to focus on the here and now, which is for me a daily meditation, a daily habit. And once that daily habit fits into a broader theme, then a broader rationalized theme of losing weight or whatever it is, um, I think you'll be good. I think you'll be okay. But the here and now is ultimately what matters it's the it's the individual bricks that make the wall, you know. It's great advice, great perspective. So, you know that I'm a teacher, and I have to ask this question: If you could uh, wave a magic wand and change one thing about education, and and I'm not sure where where you grew up, what what your educational experience was like in in the early years, but um, 
just generally speaking, um, we all typically have this traditional mindset of what school has always been and continues to be. So what would you change, magic wand, go? I would say that education needs to be more about research and analysis and critical thinking and then conclusions than it does need to be about memory because we have computers now and they remember things way better than humans ever will. Now, it's not to be a binary thing where we suddenly stop remembering things because computers will remember things. But right now, education is still very much invested in the idea of memory as proven by our quizzes and tests that we do at the end of semester. When in reality, you're never in a situation or you're rarely in a situation where you're asked a question and you can't research and analyze data in order to give an answer. You always have the ability to query a computer or query another person to find the answer. But because we have an educational system that doesn't really allow you to query things and research things before providing an answer, it's not really providing kids with the right mindset in how they can actually live their life. So we teach kids that you have to learn the answers off by heart. If you don't know the answers, you're gonna fail. And in reality, in life, because we've never lived before, we're not, gonna go, we're not gonna know the answers to most questions that we encounter in life. But if we teach kids that if you don't know the answers, you're gonna fail, then we're sort of setting kids up with the perspective that they're failures. Whereas if we teach kids how to research, analyze, and come to conclusions and be critical during that process, then when kids encounter things that they don't know the answer to, they know how to go out and find the answers. So we should be teaching about how to find answers, not how to just know answers in a binary way. The other thing that we need to be doing is improving the knowledge of our health, both physically and mentally. I think it's quite strange that as we look at what the role of education is there to do, we don't really do a great job at teaching kids about their physical or mental health. Uh, especially to do with the basics like nutritional needs, uh, physical needs like exercise, stress levels, uh, emotional levels, depression, these sorts of things that they will encounter as time goes. We don't really do a good enough job there. We're still very much invested in the idea of like learning everything off by heart and regurgitating it. And I think that that's becoming increasingly redundant because of things like the... Um, proliferation of software and our ability to query and find answers. So we need to be teaching kids about how to, how to thrive in the new world, not in the old world. That's, that's really powerful stuff. And I know there are some school counselors and some health and PE folks just pumping their fist right now because you're exactly right. Um, you know, especially, um, when you get into the middle school level, I mean, these are young kids and they need to be physically active. So just looking at that, they need to be physically active. And what do we do? Um, we put them in a desk and say, don't move for 90 minutes at a time. We give them three minutes to go to their next class. We give them uh, 90 minutes every other day um, for health and PE time. And 
Um, that's just, it's ridiculous if you look at it um, from an outside perspective. And then the, the mental health issue, I mean, we treat it as, we, we are never proactive about that. We are only reactive. If you, if you have problems, once you get to the point where you have quote-unquote issues, um, then you go to school counseling and then uh, you are looked at, uh, your, your mental health is looked at. And you're exactly right. We need to do so much more to really get at the heart uh, of what really matters. And you talked about the purpose of schooling. Um, we, we really have to do um, much better with that. And, you know, everybody knows this. Policymakers talk about this. But it's really time that we start to see some sweeping legislation that makes this possible. Yeah, I agree completely. It's necessary because if we're not doing that, we're, we're failing to do some of the basic things that a human needs. Yeah. All right, Yusuf, I have a segment at the end called a rapid 10 and 10. And the only thing that you have to do is answer these questions as quickly as possible. Okay. All right. Coffee, tea, or water? Water, I'm going to go with. Back roads or interstate? Back roads. Better view, sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Best concert you've ever been to? I'm going to say my first concert, which was Bob Dylan. Greatest movie of all time? There's a little known movie called The Fall. There's a new TV show called The Fall, but it's not that. There's a movie called The Fall, and it's, it's very beautiful. It's not very well known, but it's an excellent movie. Okay. Favorite thing to do at 6 a.m.? Sleep. <laughs> I wish I could sleep at 6 a.m. I have two kids, four and two. I don't get sleep at 6 a.m. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, three people uh, anywhere on the planet that you'd like to have dinner with? Oh, this is a really good question. I'm going to say you, just because we're here chatting. It'd be cool to have dinner. Okay. okay so that's a good one. All right. Okay. Um, this is interesting. I mean, because he's always in the media, I would love to have dinner with Donald Trump just to get inside that guy's head. Just to just... It would be... In, it'd be intense. Yeah, I'm with you. It'd be intense. And you, you, you'd, you'd come away knowing stuff you didn't know before about the world and about exactly. him. Exactly. And I think you'd always be able to look at the media and go, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it, would, it would help you like remain like kind of separate from it uh so that'd be the second one and then maybe someone like oh wow this is these are really good these are really good questions uh okay you donald trump let's pick someone out sort of out of the mix maybe someone you know from a part of the world that i would never maybe like some tribal person that from some part of the world that's not really connected to our uh, modern culture so one of these amazonian tribes or one of these people from one of the pacific islands that hasn't really uh had much contact with western countries because that would then allow me that would literally be the opposite of trump right like the, <laughs> the opposite you know like <laughs> I, th I think that would yeah. be yeah i think that would be yeah. opposite so you somehow managed to get us all together yeah. 
Um, we we got a we got a private. We're we're on we're on Air Force One. We have a sure. private jet. We can go anywhere in the world. I need a specific restaurant. Where would you take us to eat? Oh, that's cool. Um, hmm. Mm, that's awesome question because I love eating out. Um, okay, I know where. This isn't even a good food spot. I actually got food poisoning there once, but there's a little diner in um, San Francisco. I forget the name of it, but it's um, it's on a corner near Union Square, one block off Union Square, and it's an old diner that's been around like 60 or 70 years, and it's just a good old school diner. And the service is really good. And, okay, I got food poisoning, but I shouldn't order the fish and chips. That was a bad idea. I mean, come on. Like, in San Francisco, ordering fish and chips from a diner, it wasn't a good idea. But what I liked about it was I have a lot of good memories there. And it's got a lot of character. And it's the original. Nothing's being changed in it. So we'd go there. I love that. All right. So other than you, of course, um, who should everyone be paying attention to right now um, in social, on social? Mm. That's a good question. Hmm. I think, okay, here, here what I would say, rather than an individual, this is what I think you should be doing on social, and I do it all the time. I think you should be following huge amounts of people that you would never be interested in following before. So people that are on like the opposite political side of the spectrum to you, people who are on the opposite religious side, or you know whatever you see as like opposing to you or just very different than you, you should be saturating yourself in not to like become like part of them, but it's to be exposed to see, hey, there is an entire culture over here that is as complicated and as active as my culture. And it's as valid to them as it is to me. So as mine is to me. So, hey, that's actually interesting. Now, maybe I don't need to feel so entitled and, you know, um, correct about what I believe. I do it all the time. I follow huge swaths of people from niches that I don't even, I don't even have like any understanding of or any awareness of. But by doing it, I become a more understanding person. And then if there's a few interesting people that actually are tweeting things or saying things that I don't agree with, but they're articulating it well, I'll keep following those people to stay in informed as to what that school of thought is and in that way you become a lot less reactive and you don't find social media so triggering some people can find it very upsetting when they see things that they don't agree with so that would be what i would recommend follow people that are complete opposite of what you believe and don't take it personally just follow them and just keep the ones around that are actually articulating themselves well and you become a more understanding person that sounds like a great uh, beginning of the year activity and empathy for my students this year. So I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so kind of the last question here. Um, the kids that I taught this year um, in this class that I piloted, this innovation class, um, they are getting ready to start high school uh, in about a month. What advice would you give someone getting ready to start the next chapter of their life in high school. So what age would these kids be? So these kids are going to be 14 years old. I would say to any 14-year-old or my 14-year-old self, I would say don't be afraid of anything. Put yourself in situations that 
you might be afraid of, but you know that it's only your nerves and not necessarily because it's a dangerous situation. Because 14 is the age, I think, where you go from being a real, you know, a child into being, you know, the beginning stages of a young adult, right? Like, before you know it, you're going to be 17 and 18. You're going to be maybe leaving home. So they're, they're your last few years where you're kind of going, hey, I'm starting to understand adults a little more. I'm starting to maybe want to break from my parents a little bit. Um, but that can be scary. So I would say don't be afraid of things that you might encounter, especially if you know it's just your nerves and that other kids are doing it. Don't be afraid of those things and explore them, but be checking on yourself regularly to make sure that you're not, you know, going too far into the deep end. You're kind of at the phase where you're going from crawling to walking and don't get too excited where you want to start running, but don't be afraid of walking either. It's kind of like that in terms of adulthood. So yeah, be, be bold, be bold, you know, brave, be brave. That's actually what I would say. Not don't be scared, be brave. That's the best way of saying it. Yeah. I like that. That's great, Mm -hmm. great advice. All right. Final question, Yusuf. Um, I know how I found you, but for anyone listening to this right now that might not uh, be familiar with your work, where can people find you? Well, the simplest thing you can do is you can go to zeropattern.com. That's my online website where I have my pitch about what it is that I do and how I help people make money online. But also, if you want to find me on social, if you go to Twitter, you can find me at YS, which is just the letter Y and the letter S. So it's quite fortunate with that. i got a very small username. Um... On Instagram, it's my full name, at Yusuf Sarhan. And that's pretty much where you can find me online. So zeropattern.com, YS on Twitter, and Yusuf Sarhan on Instagram. If you message me on Twitter, I'll almost always reply. If you, if you don't hear back from me, just ping me again, and I'll definitely get back to you. And, yeah, that's where you can find me. All right. Yusuf, I truly appreciate this. This was a heck of an interview, man. A lot of great insight, not just for um, educators and students, but for all humans. So I truly, truly appreciate you, sir. Thank you. Cool. It was great to have me on, uh, or it was great to be on, and thank you for having me on. And yeah, I look forward to hearing the the final produced version of this. (laughs) All right. All right. Thank you. Yes, sir. Hey, everybody. What's up? Jason Vest here from the After Ed Podcast. Look, we are growing. We are having amazing guests on, but we need you to subscribe. We need you to refer guests for the show. We need you to go and leave reviews only to help us get better and spread our message. If you love what you hear with the podcast, head on over to Twitter at Mr. Vest RVA. Instagram is the same name. Give me a shout out there as well. Also, if you want to check out what my students are doing from this innovation class that I always reference, check them out on the various social platforms at InnovateHC. That's the number eight, InnovateHC. Thank you, guys. Enjoy your day.